Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Chance Ellison. And I'm Russell Howell. And this is the Talk by Chance Show. We got to talk all things movies, television, news, streaming, sports, all that good stuff. And this week, uh, for no particular reason, uh, we decided to look at one of the works of a filmmaker who is really making a name for himself in the industry right now. Uh, be Greek filmmaker Yorgos Lantimos. Um, guy who has been getting a really big following for for easy to see reasons. Uh, it's funny because there were two movies on the poll that we each hadn't seen. Uh, I think yours was, yours was The Lobster, right? You hadn't seen it? Yep. I hadn't seen The Lobster, yeah, and you hadn't seen this one. Uh, yeah, and I, hadn't se- I had not seen the one we were reviewing today, Killing the Sacred Deer, which is what we're going to be talking about later in the show. Uh, but first of which we have, uh, of course, I already used that first of which, foot- football. Uh, especially coming off of one of the greatest weekends of football I have ever seen. As long as your team advanced, it is. <laughs> Yeah, if, if if your team didn't pain, but I mean this game, this game were also good. These games are so good. You want to know how how you know that? Every single one of these games came down to the last play of regulation. Yeah, every single one. Yep. Yeah. So starting with the Bengals and Titans, which I think we both picked Tennessee to win this. I thought, and and my factor is was was Derrick Henry going to be the X factor? I was borderline. I was teeter tottering. I, I wanted to go Cincinnati, but I just thought, what if we do get a, a shades of of Derrick Henry uh, at the beginning of the year? Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I thought maybe that would be enough to to carry this team, and it just it really just didn't. Well, and yeah. It, well, it, here's the thing: like he's coming off of, he's coming off of an injury, which is a pretty serious injury. So, yeah. it's it's a bit of it's a you know, it's a bit of a big ask for him to come back and be like that dominant running back we've seen in seasons past which i think he'll be back to that form oh yeah next next season yeah for sure just Uh, yeah uh but tennessee did learn one hard lesson this weekend ryan Tannehill will take you somewhere but not where you truly want to go yeah i just they they looked really flat um they just didn't look like the team uh that was the number one scene afc uh they just looked very very flat yeah, uh, Ryan Tannehill finished the day 15 for 24 over 220 with three picks. Which yeah, is ain't going to win any game. Which is what really just, unless you're a certain somebody, but you know, even even Tom Brady on the reason they won, they win those games. Um, but yeah, no, uh, they <laughs> what they learned was uh, the thing is with with Tennessee and Tannehill is it's not like they can move on because remember they just extended him like two a, a year or two ago. Yeah, let me, t- let, me t- let me take a look at this at this uh, contract because he actually signed, signed a pretty massive extension. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I'll go to bat for him. I mean, I, I think he's a, a good quarterback. I just really don't think we have a whole lot of weapons. He's in the, in he's the receiving core. He's serviceable. Pro- really, problem is yeah. he's 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 serviceable. Problem is uh, when the big situations come, which have come for him many times, he's crumbled. He's crumbled. Every single time, and yes, I was right. In 2020, he signed a four-year extension worth eight, worth 118 million dollars, 62 of which guaranteed. So even if yeah, they I mean, cut him now, he's a dead cap of like 57 million dollars next season. Yeah, so I mean, he's he, he's happy either way. Uh, yeah, so it's, they're 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 a little they're a little stuck, but hey, they at least have a chance. Unlike the yeah. next team we're going to be talking about, which is the next game, which that, that was Saturday night. 49ers versus the Packers. Yes. Look, I I bet against I bet against them. I bet against the I bet against the Niners. I bet I bet on the Packers. 
Uh, just let me let me get this off my chest. Okay, they played horrid. Okay, their offense played like shit. Both all right? both offenses played they horrid. Did. They did, and I mean the inclement weather obviously was a, definitely a factor. Um, but like like Rogers didn't show you anything that like Favre would in, in that mystique of the Lambo tundra and everything like that. Um, you know the Niners defense, you know, made some great plays, but it was their special teams. Yeah, it was the, it was yeah, the special teams. I, I, I was about to say that. So yeah, the, the, so yeah, Green Bay lo- underachieving in big in big underachieving in big game situations. That's not out of the ordinary. <laughs> What no. is out of the ordinary is the fact that the defense didn't. The defense is not the reason. The defense actually played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the reason they lost this game was one thing: special teams. Yep. Something that I never really noticed until looking back. But yeah, their special teams unit was absolutely awful. I oh be- yeah. I believe they were ranked. I mean, they were ranked the last, like the worst special teams in football this season. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have both defenses playing so well, both offenses look flat. Uh, not as good, you know what I mean? It, it has you have to have the X factor, and that was the San Fran's uh, X factor. Yeah, only only touchdown score in San Francisco's part was a blocked punt return for a for, Tem- for Denver touchdown. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was like a, a nice little ground ball right to him, little scoop. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so Green Bay massively underperforms, like even more so because they we really expected them to get to the NFC Championship game and then lose there, but. <laughs> Uh, they do not close the deal this time, and they they might be paying the price for it ne- next season. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, Rogers Rogers is gone. He is not going back. I I really I really it's it's hard to see him anywhere else. I just I I, I don't know. I, I think I I think he comes back. I, I don't no, know. I, mean, I know like all signs are pointing to no. But it's like I can't see this guy playing and extending his career anywhere else. Well, I know he, we, you know, he, I know the Brady why. thing. Yeah, here's why. Because like, look, coming back this year was one thing because you still had like a team in place. You look at all the free agents they're gonna have coming up next year. Yeah. This and that, okay, to keep in mind, already right now they are forty million dollars. I think almost forty-five million dollars over the cap. That's without resigning anybody. Mm-hmm. Here's a list of, of notable free agents going into next season: Devonte Adams, the best. Their best receiver, Robert Tanyan, Devondre Campbell, Lucas Patrick, Razul Douglas, Equinemius St. Brown. De- Russell, they have, <laughs> without re-signing anybody, without fixing the cap situation, they have one wide receiver on the roster. Oh, boy. One. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just... Yeah, this was. I don't know. This was. This was. The, they knew that if they failed again, that they were. There would be hell to pay, and the bills now do. Bills overdue. Yeah, I mean they're zero and four against the the Niners, and uh, yeah, I just they just. I don't know, and, and I'm I'm glad to be on the other end. Of, well, I'm glad to be on the good end of this because I was on the bad end of this for a long time um, as a lifelong Niner fan. I just I remember the years that we would always get trounced from the playoffs with Brett Favre and the Packers. Um, and my one, my one of my best friends, Tommy, is a big Packers fan. Um, I just always hated that fucking team because we could never get past them in the playoffs. Our our paths always met in the playoffs, in the '90s, going into the 2000s. And I just, I'm just glad it actually kind of turned around finally. Yeah, uh, this yeah, Green Bay. This team is going to look very different next year. Hell, the Vikings might win, might win the division next year. Yeah, apparently I heard Rumorville was uh, Jim Harbaugh's interviewing for the Vikings. Uh, I did see that. Yeah, vacancy, which I still, I, still don't, vacant. 
I still think that's bullshit. I, I don't think he leaves Michigan again. I'm again. I'm I'm super biased, but I just don't see him leaving there to go to uh, Minnesota. I could be wrong. I mean, at this point, I just I get so tired of these speculations. Just to go out and do it already. Sign with it, do it, and get it done with. I, I hate this shit where it's like, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? What are we gonna do? You know, <laughs> just just sign if that's what you want to do. Go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Yeah. Just fuck. Just get the fuck out. But it, but yeah. if but you know we're the, the Saturday games were like we're both offensive stalemates. Sunday's yeah. games were probably the most exciting of the entire weekend. At least, at least the, in the, my opinion. Those were offensive. Yeah, those were offensive. Those were fun games. Those were, yeah. Yeah, looking at the early slot, we had the Rams versus the versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, again, this is another one where we split. I bet I bet on the Rams. I went TB12, man. Um, of course. I, you just don't bet against Brady. But, I Except mean, he, he, he drove him there. He drove him there. He, he, drove. he got him. He drove, he, he drove him there. He drove him there, man. He, uh... He dropped the kids off. They just didn't get out of the car. He, but, dropped uh, the kid, he was there. He dropped the kids off, and Matthew Stafford picked them up and said no. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, want to give a big credit to one person in particular, Matthew freaking Stafford. Stafford is playing some really great ball right now. He is, and as much as I like him, I just can't let this continue. But. Um, you know, it is what it is. I, I've loved Stafford when he was in Detroit. Obviously, this week I just I can't. But so, I will uh, say, I, yeah. will, I will take the Rams to task for even making this a game. At one point, yeah. they were up twenty-seven to three. This is this is going to be the kiss of death come tomorrow. I'm, I'm letting you know this right now. It's it's the fact that they cannot hold a lead. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, we'll talk about it. But I just want I just throw that out there. As no matter how big I was watching this, and I was going for the Rams. I'm like, no matter how big their lead got, no matter how shitty Tom Brady was playing, or how shitty the, the Buccaneers looked, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say you it. Just can't. No, you just can't count them out, man. When you got twelve on the other, you know, when you got twelve on that team, but here's the, I anything's I possible. Even think, I don't even think Tom Brady's like the. Tom Brady's not even not even the reason they won. They won to the Rams no. being stupid, being stupid with the ball no, in yeah. the fourth quarter. Yeah. No, I'll give it to you, but I mean, Brady. I mean, drove down when when they needed him to drive down to, they, to get them. Well, they needed him. He, yeah. he, he, he dropped a dime to Mike Evans. Give him that. He dropped a dime, absolute dime, to Mike Evans to tie to yeah. not tie the game, but bring it closer. And <laughs> it looked like we were going to go to overtime. Looked like we were going to go to overtime, but then yeah. Matt's, Matt Stafford activates elite talent, drops two straight dimes to Cooper Cup to get them Which, all the way downfield. Which is crazy. How do you not cover their best receiver when you know they're going to go to Cooper Cup? Yeah, got, got him all the way downfield. Kick the field goal. Rams go. Rams win thirty to twenty-seven. But that pales not pales comparison, but but it's not to compare it to this Sunday night game. Bills versus Chiefs. Did you watch, did you watch this live? Uh, I watched the, the near the ending of it. I, again, you know, it's me. I was already. Uh, my our tickets punch. I was just like, nah, fuck everybody else. I watched a little bit of the, um, watched a little bit of the, the the Tampa Bay game, and I watched the 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 good part of the the back and forth at the end of, of this game, which was fantastic. Yeah, this was this was an offensive explosion of a game, yeah. and the and the end of the game was one of the most exciting things I've seen in football in quite some time. It yeah, it reminded me, and I know again this is biased, but if you ever seen the uh, Michigan Notre Dame game, the first game under the lights. Um, it was one of those games that went back and forth, back and forth for like the final like two minutes of the game, minute and a half. Three, three lead changes, a total of yeah. twenty-five points scored within the last two minutes. Look that one up. You'll 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 appreciate that game. But yeah, no. So look, and then look, looking at this, 
Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes played their played out of their freaking minds. Yeah, I mean, they both did. Uh, I was sad one of those guys had to lose. Uh, I just really, I'm really starting to not like the Chiefs. Yeah. Just leave it. I, I just really, well, I don't know. But here's the thing. Buffalo could have taken this. They had, they were up with a touchdown to Gabriel Davis, of which he had an absurd amount of postseason record. Four TDs yeah. to one guy. Yeah, which, is, which is crazy, yeah. To Gabriel you, Davis, I mean, of all people, yeah. who's like, who the fuck, who the fuck is this? Yeah, it's like West. It would be like, like I don't know, like not even Wes Walker because he was Walker. more of a name, but like <laughs> Wes Walker, like get four touchdowns in a game. You know what I mean? Like back with the Brady era in New England. I don't know, like a, a no name receiver or like Hogan, that that Hogan that they had for the Patriots. Uh, okay, that'd be like that'd be like him getting four touchdowns. Be like who? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they so they score with that thirteen seconds left. I'm like, oh shit, Buffalo's gonna win. I'm like, yeah, because I did I did pick them to win. I'm like, let's go Buffalo and the Chiefs. But then the Buff- then Bills like just have absolutely shit offense uh, defensive scheming. The Chiefs, see, yeah. all the Chiefs had to do was get in the field goal range. They had 13 yeah. seconds on the clock, but they had all three timeouts. Which props to Andy yeah. Reid, guy who had some of the worst clock management I've ever seen when he coached when he coached in Philly. Really improved, yeah. really improved that since he got to Kansas City. I mean, but yeah, so he's, all they have to do is get is get down the field. But here's the problem. Buffalo starts playing picket fence defense. They start like guarding the sidelines and leaving the entire center of the field open, which is yeah, like, so where you can drive the, semis through this. Yeah, like what the fuck? Are you, yeah, they they, they took, take two plays to get in the yeah. field goal range, which is stupid because you play you play one you play prevent. You don't let the big pass like that, especially in the center in the, in the heart of all that stuff to to be exposed yeah, like no, that. You, you, you don't yeah. play you don't play picket fence defense when the, when the entire when the team has three timeouts left. No, you play prevent. I mean, it's just, uh, man, it's just very Keep in mind, this, piss poor. This play was calling. the number one ranked defense of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, and, and you would have been like, oh, they, they got, they got to, they got to drop a perfect play for this, perfect scheme for this. No, like, like you know, what Chance said, it's like literally drive that, drive that semi straight down the middle, and it's, it's crazy. Like you, you will allow that. You'll risk that. You know, you, they see that. That picket fence on the side, they're not going to go there. Mahomes will catch you somewhere in the middle. Then, obviously, just because you have, you have a weight, that's like that's like, that's what you, you you go to the side. You play the sidelines when you have no timeouts left. But when you have all, you of got them, three. Yeah, you have, you have three. You can stop the clock whenever you want. And especially when you leave Kelsey completely unmanned. I mean, that's just it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So they get in the field goal range, and because the overtime rules, Kansas City wins a toss, a drive all the way down the field, touchdown, game over. Uh, but it did spark an interesting conversation about whether or not the overtime rule should be changed. I think we did. I think we did kind of talk about this a few weeks back. So, what do you what do you think? Time to like re- reevaluate the overtime rules. Uh, I mean, I think it's. I mean, I'm going to go simple. I think it should be with the college football does. Put the ball on the 25 yard line and uh, drive it. Each team gets a possession, but you have to match uh, what your uh, your opponents do, or or not, or better. But what I'm saying is, like, say, for instance, you get, like, two offensive touchdowns from each team, and then after the third one, they have to go for the two-point conversion. I think that's where they make it interesting. Um, I think college football has it perfect uh, because both teams are getting a shot with the ball. You know what I mean? It's not like you, you, get, you get the ball, you score a touchdown, you win. Well, no, in this situation, Kansas City gets a touchdown. Well, now Josh Allen and the Bills have a shot to match the touchdown. You know what I mean? I think it's the only fair way to do it. The, iron, the ironic thing about this is – Flashbacks like three years ago, uh, when the when the Chiefs lost the Patriots in overtime. Patriots, the same yeah, thing. that was why they tried yeah. to get the rule changed. And you know who? And yeah. you, know, you know who said no? Mm. Buffalo. 
Ah, see, it comes back and bites him in the ass. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think overtime. I think any way you shake it, like a team's gonna have an advantage. First of all, if when when the game in four quarters, then you don't even got to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, but we've seen a lot of games go to overtime this year. A lot. Yeah. What I th- More than I remember. I mean, if you, if you ask me if I was going like, to write overtime rules, what I would do is like, like kind of like what you said, like, like make it like horse, like kick, kick it off, yeah, kick it yeah, off, like kick it yeah. off like normal and yeah, yeah. Do, do all that. And then let, yeah. let like let the first team go. Like yeah. what, whatever they do, the other team has to match it or do better. Then the other team gets to yeah. hold serve. Then yeah. if but the problem is like, you know, where, where, where does that, where does that end? But I, I think, but this, see, I, lo- I think this game yeah. is going to start a lot of conversations, you know, Overtime rules, like like where does this leave us? Because like yeah, I mean if if you win the toss, like you're a team like the Chiefs or the Bills, and you're yeah. like a really high powered offense. Yeah. If you win the toss, you basically, you basically won the game. Well, see that's why I like that you put that two point conversion in after the second touchdown. Now you're forced. Now you're now you're playing a little bit more. You know what I mean? You have to do a little bit more. It's just not straight. Let's kick. You know, score a touchdown, kick an extra point, we're done. Now you're putting a little bit more offense into it. You know what I mean? And then this is where maybe there there can be a hiccup, and 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 there's where your game can be won or lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, but I do know I do know there are a lot of players that like hate college rules, so they're not going to go for it. <laughs> I don't know. To me, I just I, I've lo- I've watched a lot of exciting uh, college football games uh, with that. Um, but I mean, I get it. I get the uh, the opponents of it, but I think that's the only fair way. I think where both teams get the ball, uh, kind of what you said, just kind of like you know, pretty much merge like. It's pretty much the same idea you have with playing horse. I mean, it is, you know what I mean? Both teams get the ball um, and see what you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how that how overtime changes. Bills is a, is a, is a crusher, but I, I'm going to call it right now. I firmly believe that the Bills will win a Super Bowl under Josh Allen. Like, it's going to happen. At some point, it's going to happen. I don't know. They're cursed. I mean, I don't know. As long as the Chiefs lose before they, before they face off. But yeah, and see, I firmly and, and, do believe yeah. Josh Allen will lose him to a Super Bowl. But let me get this through this too, because I know everybody's talking up the Chiefs and the dynasty and stuff like that. But can we just say that the AFC is completely up for grabs for any team now? Because there's no buzzsaw like there was in the AFC with like Roethlisberger, with Peyton Manning, with Brady, with a you know what I mean, with an offense like with an AFC led Brady team, uh, or even Philip Rivers back in the day with the Chargers. There there wasn't buzzsaw teams like that. There's not really now outside of like Kansas City and I'll and I'll throw out yeah Buffalo. That's about it, really. Yeah. You know. But what, what I realize like like the AFC is that that that's the quarterbacks conference. Like when like, it it is like they have they have a significantly better lineup of, of quarterbacks than because like and especially and they're all young too. You know you have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and like Derek Tua. Co- and Derek yeah, Carr, I mean you Tua. got yeah. Who, who, who has a lot of promise? Deshaun Watson, if he if he if he can play again, that's that's just a lo- that's just a lot of like, great young talent, which what scares me for next season because you cannot go in next season with Mason Rudolph as your quarterback. But we'll see how that we'll see how that goes, um, and we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But looking at this at uh, I guess tomorrow as we're recording this, but Championship Sunday. Uh, first of all, for the AFC Championship, we got well, actually wow, funny, funny enough, both teams. <laughs> it's funny, both teams are a ten and seven going against a twelve and five. I think it's, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> for the AFC, we got the Cincinnati Bengals, probably the most surprising team of the of the entire football season, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's the thing. 
Uh, I think that if the Bills couldn't stop the Chiefs, the Bengals aren't doing it either. I'm going. I'm going KC. Yeah, I'm going to go KC, but uh, I, I will make the claim for. I think Cincinnati is going to make this game interesting. I just don't know if their defense can stop that offense, um, or, or if that, or if that line can keep Joe Burrow from getting killed because Joe Burrow got sacked but, nine times. Last, but the flip side of that, week. though, Kansas City does not have a defense. Burrow can throw that ball, so uh, there's going to be some points scored in this game. Um, I think Kansas City just, I mean, they're an experienced team coming into situations. As much as I, I just really am starting to really fucking hate this team. Sorry. Um, I just, I think I got Kansas City in this one. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I want Kansas City to lose because I'm just, but just, just, to get rid, just to get rid of Jackson Mahomes. Only we have no problem to lose. Just get rid of Jackson Mahomes. But I need them, I want them to win because after this prediction. We'll talk about it. Yeah, NFC Championship. <laughs> we got the Niners versus the Rams. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first because I know where you're going. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm going with my heart and soul, man. I'm going with San Francisco. Um, you know, the last six games we've beat the Rams. Granted, it hasn't been on a stage like this with everything on the line. Um, this team is gelled at the right time. I think I've been saying that. Um, this team had to earn, literally earn their uh, way into the playoffs, week 17, against this same team. Down seventeen, nothing. Come back and surprise everybody to get in to eke into the playoffs. Let alone beat Cowboys, beat the Packers, number one seed in the NFC to get to where we're at now. Um, I just think they're the hot hand right now. I think Garoppolo. I think this is you know, this is an LA game. This is a West Coast game. This is California football. You know, I think you know, I think SoFi is going to be packed with uh, San Fran fans. Um, I think Garoppolo has a big game. I, I really think this offense is going to step up. We're going to have a lot. Uh, we're going to do a lot more than we were able to do, obviously, in that cold weather. Um, I just, I, and I think if it's going to come down to defensive stops, I think the Niners have that defensive core. Um, I, I'm going with my team. I'm going to die on my sword. I'm going the Niners. I admire that. I'm going <laughs> gonna, to gonna go against you because I'm going to say. I, I figure. Now, I know. Logic dictates that San Francisco <laughs> win this game, mostly because, like but, you said, yeah, that, the Rams have never beaten them. They have never throw beaten this team. Throw that out, though. Yeah. But throwing that out because I think that yeah. – I think this team has, a, has a, like a real fire let, let into their ass right now. Stafford especially. No, I agree. Stafford has yeah. been playing great. Stafford wants to prove that like, I, I'm actually a legit quarterback. And I, you're not talking to me because of the team I played on. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Is thing I think that I don't think San Fran's are winning games due to their play. I think they're winning in spite of how they're playing. But that's the thing. That's scary though, because what? if they do play and they're all on four cylinders, you know what I mean. What can they do then? Do you know what I mean? Right, but like how often, I, how often do we see that though? <laughs> you only need it one game, man. You only that's need true. it one big that's game. True. They only you know? do, they only do need it for one game. But it's yeah, in, it's I'm, well in two so- games, but I mean only one game. The game at is a time, in, but yeah, the game is in SoFi Stadium because the Rams are going to be the home team in this case, and yeah. It's gonna. Be, I think. I think you know everyone on the Rams going to be. You know, they're gonna be fired up in what they have before because you know, like if they if they lose this game, <laughs> all of this feels like, like it's gonna feel like you know like there's like their their crypt like San Francisco kryptonite. Like it's just, it's just gonna feel it's gonna feel really shitty if they. Now imagine if you beat Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, and you lose to Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> like no. Yeah. No, and I and I and I get and I get the hate on Garoppolo, but I mean statistically, this guy has a winning record. This guy does get your team no, to where you know it needs to go. I mean, I'm just to me, it's I just think he's just had some some shit games. He's not going to do those mind blowing 300 yard games, four touchdowns. I mean, he's just not that quarterback. Um, 
he's going to do enough. He's going to play like Alex Smith's small ball. He's going to put you in a, a situation to to win a game. And I just think that this is the game. I think this is the game. Garoppolo is going to silence the critics in this game. I really, I really, honestly believe it. I know I'm biased, but I really think that uh, this 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 offense is due for big big performances. I think Kittle's going to start getting into this. Kittle's going to have a big game because Kittle is all reliable. You're you're going to have to absolutely throw him, get him involved. Eli Mitchell's going to have a big game running. Debo Samuel's is going to do Debo type things. Mix it in with a little Brandon Ayuk. I think these guys are going to have big plays, big and you know big games, big moments. I'm I'm hoping. Um, and but again. You know, we're we're going against Stafford. We're going against Cooper Cup. You know, uh, Odell Beckham. Who knows what Odell, version you're going to get of him? Odell Beckham. You got Aaron Donald, one yeah. of the best defensive players in the league. You got Von Miller. You got Jalen Ramsey, who granted did get did get turned to burnt toast by Mike Evans, but it's Mike Evans who's pretty who's pretty solid. But um, yeah, no, I think this is going to be I think this is going to be a really great game. Again, I'm pulling for Stafford because I feel like that dude deserves it. I feel like he's I feel like he's earned I feel like he's earned the right to play in the Super Bowl after spending over a decade in Detroit. And yeah, I'm I'm no, really just, I'm really rooting for him. Let's just give it to him next year. Next, but year, next year. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Since my team eked in like to the NFC Championship, you know what I mean. I we gotta I gotta ride this moment, man. I don't know when we're gonna get this again. Um, but I do want to say that I am rooting for Kansas City in the fact that I want a rematch of the 2020 Super Bowl because I want to oh. know that we we gave we gift wrapped that Super Bowl. For the Chiefs. Yeah, so, so, and I believe so, in my so heart Kyle of Shanahan, hearts. You can, so absolutely beat, can, blow can absolutely beat this team. So Kyle Shanahan can blow it again? Well, third time's a charm. <laughs> but I really believe. Honestly, I do believe, though. I do believe that the Niners can absolutely go pound to pound with, with Kansas City for sure. I know I'm naive. Call me naive, but I think our defense is better. And I just, I really believe. But uh, it's either way. I, who, who do I really, I'd rather go against Cincinnati. Uh, but I mean, either way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm done. I, I gotta save it for tomorrow. Aside from the actual game, we do have some <laughs> uh, in the in the front office side of football. We do have some some new hirings as far as head coaches go. Uh, first coached hot folks. Yeah, first coach hired. Uh, period was uh, the Denver. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the Denver Broncos hiring uh, uh, former Packers OC Nathaniel Hackett. He's gonna be the head coach uh, going forward over in Denver. Uh, bring also bring I believe the Packers QB coach over, which did bring, bring a lot of speculation as to whether or not. Aaron Rodgers will be going to Denver. Um, that's a that's a big rumor too, and it'd be kind of crazy to have another future Hall of Famer, <laughs> i.e., like Peyton Manning, play the back end of his career in Denver. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the the Carolina Panthers for some reason hired Ben McAdoo. As yeah. Their, why not? Their OC. Yeah. I oh, a lot, I, lot I, of a lot of head scratches. I too. truly believe that Matt Rule wants to be fired. I, I don't think he wants to be there anymore. <laughs> And I was like, please just get me out. Uh, Chicago Bears have brought in both a new GM and a new head coach. Uh, GM will be filled by Ryan Poles. And uh, the coach will be former Colts D- DC Matt Eberflus. Uh, replacing one Ryan and Matt with another Ryan and Matt. And I, I firmly believe they did this, <laughs> this just so they didn't have to get new nameplates. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings hired former uh, pl- um, former VP of the Cleveland Browns, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, as their new GM. And the New York Giants have hired uh, Bills offense coordinator Brian Dable as their head coach. So, yeah, like on paper, a lot of solid hires here. Lots of solid hires. Brian Flores is looking for a job, and there's still which some is, openings, which is amazing. Which is, which is amazing. And there is one that did open recently because Sean Payton has decided to step down as the as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. 
Which wasn't, I mean, it was a surprise, but it wasn't. I mean, you you lose a generational talent like Drew Brees to retirement, man. You don't want to build that. Th- you don't want to go start completely from scratch again. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard. Especially when that team has, I think, like $70 million over the cap. Yeah, he's, he sees the writing on the wall. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to peace out here. Yeah, so. Uh, I'll, I'll let myself out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so coaches uh, with. Uh, Teams are still opening head coaches. You got Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville. Which, funny enough, Jacksonville did have an interview with um, uh, Tampa Bay o- offensive coordinator Bra- Byron Leftwich. Brian Leftwich, which he did. Yeah. He wants to take it. Only problem is he d- he doesn't like the GM. He's like, if you fire the GM, I'll take the yeah. job. But which well, he he used to play for Jacksonville too, so it makes sense. Yeah, which honestly, they should fire the GM. He's been doing a shitty job in the last couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see that. They also, of course, do interview Cowboys uh, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Uh, Vegas still has an opening, a head coach, um, and uh, yeah, uh, Vikings just got just filled theirs. Uh, Saints, Giants just filled theirs. Yeah, so that, those teams still open. We'll see where. Uh, we'll see if Brian Flores lands. A, I think he will land a job, but I think it's just a matter of where. I mean, it's stupid not to hire the guy. I think we've obviously said enough. I mean, Absolutely. yeah. And uh, last thing we're talking about in the world of football is we did have a big, high-profile retiring. Uh, and uh, Heartbreaking. Steelers, not, not, talking about, not talking about the one you're talking about, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger has decided to hang it up after 18 years <laughs> in the National Football League. Longest stint by any player, by any one player for any one team. Uh, this guy finishes in the top five for both completions, yards, uh, finishes top ten for touchdowns. Uh, dude has stats out. Dude has just incredible, an incredible stat line, an incredible playing resume, and it's something that will definitely get him into the Hall of Fame. And, yes, you know, speaking as the Steelers fan here, Ben Roethlisberger is the only Steelers QB. He, the entire time I've been watching the Steelers, he's been the QB. Except for that one time he was he was out because Van Albo and Drew were stuck with Dickhead Mason Rudolph for a year. God, um, God, you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but he's yeah for me like this, this, this is the he's, oh, he's 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 been there through through the ups and downs of the team. He has been there, and he's also just one of the, one of the he's one of the most special quarterbacks I've ever seen because like I can honestly say I've never seen another quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. You know his ability to extend the his ability to extend the plays, ability to you know, get his receivers time to make space. The dude was like in his prime. He was a special kind of quarterback, and the kind of wish that we don't really see very often. So yeah, uh, I'm going to grant him. He did towards the end, he was a little, little busted up, but actually very busted up. But uh, regardless, uh, is going. It's, I'm sad to see him gone. Uh, seven, enjoy your retirement. And now that's going to talk do about it. the. Uh, okay, we're not going to talk, talk about that. We're not going to talk about the other one until it's because it's still spec. It's, it's, still, it's still speculation. Yes, we were which not. I hope we are not going to talk about the other one until it's confirmed. God, I hope it comes. Uh, God, I hope it's not true, man. Oh, I'd I love to see it. No, I really, years, I really hope it's true. I'm sick of that old. I'm sick of that old bastard terrorizing the terrorizing this league. <laughs> Well, I wanted to go see. I want to see him play, man. Like uh, that's, that was my big thing because I was talking to my wife because her cousin lives down in near Tampa, and I wanted to go. I'm like, oh, we'll go next year. And then I see this. I'm like, you'd be fucking kidding me. I wanted to go see him. Yeah, again. When when that is confirmed, we will talk about it. But for right now, we're gonna skip it. I like it because it's not. It, that means it's not true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> let's let's do it like a Man of Steel two sequel. Let's get it. 
<laughs> they, haven't, which, which, they haven't said no. They haven't said no. There we go. We we got hope for both. Let's go. Let's get it. All right. Uh, but looking, but uh, looking uh, to our next segment is trailer talk. First trailer we're gonna be talking about is the shortest one because it's, it's more of a teaser that it's coming out. Uh, it is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, so yes, uh, Guillermo del Toro is gonna be doing a Pinocchio movie. Funnily enough, the same year Disney is doing a Pinocchio movie, which is funny because this is very reminiscent of, I believe, like a circa 2016, 27. No, I think it was 2016. Yeah. Uh, or 2017. No, was, yeah, around that time. I think one was each year. But there was a time when, um, uh, remember when D- Disney had a Jungle Book movie? Jungle Book, yeah. Netflix had a Jungle Book movie, too. Yeah, because that was the end thing to do that year. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was it. That was the hot shit. But now we're, do- <laughs> we're, we're doing the same thing. Uh, you know, Disney, Disney doing their their one, and Guillermo Toro is doing th- his Pinocchio for Netflix. Only difference is uh, Guillermo Toro is going to be entirely uh, animated. It's going to be stop motion animated, which looks beautiful. Yeah, so we, it, it, this is giving us a little taste of the animation uh, and a little taste of uh, Ewan McGregor playing Sebastian J. Cricket, who is basically Jimmy Jimmy Cricket. Uh, has a cast of features like that: Hugh McGregor, David Bradley, Finn Wolfhard, Kate Blanchett, John Turturro, Ron Perlman, Tim Blake Nelson, and Christoph Waltz, and Tilda Swinton. Shit. Um, so yeah, uh, Russell. Like I said, this is just this is just a quick little taste. But based on what we, I know we haven't seen anything from the Disney Pinocchio. It's going Disney Plus. But you know, just like on just you know, just knowing relatively of both projects, which one are you looking more forward to? I think honestly, this one just because of the fact that I get, I get Coraline vibes to it, um, you know, I just get like a Leica type uh, vibe to this, uh, you know, uh, Del Toro, you know, Pinocchio piece. I think it looks kind of cool, and uh, I'm on board with it, you know. Yeah, I, I think I think it sucks the fact it doesn't come out to December. I'm like, fuck December. Yeah, I was like, why the hell are you doing this like now? Like literally 11 months before this thing comes out. I'm like, this is craziness. <laughs> Got to build that hype train. <laughs> Uh, but again, it's only like a fifty-eight second teaser. But um, it, it gets me it gets me curious enough about it. You know, I like Del Toro as a uh, you know we're both big fans of uh, Nightmare Alley. Um, I, I think uh, you know I, I like his vision as a director. Um, I like the the darkness of it. Um, like I said, it just reminds me of like a like a Coraline type, uh, and I dig it. So yeah. And this is his first animated first like directed animated movie. He's produced several. Yeah. Hasn't directed any till this till this very moment. So. Yeah. So this will be interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh. Next show we're talking about is for the cursed. So the cursed is a movie. It's a uh, American French co-production, and it's a and it takes place in the late nineteenth century, uh, where is a brutal land baron slaughters a Roma clan, at least in the curse in the family on this family, and his village. And the day in the day that follows, the townspeople are plagued by nightmares. Seamus' son Edward goes missing, and a boy is found murdered. Uh, local suspect, locals suspect a wild animal, but visiting pathologist John M. McBride warns of a sinister presence lurking in the woods. Uh, movie features Boyd Holbrook and really no one else. No one else worth mentioning. No offense to anybody in this movie, but just we, do, we don't know who you are. Oh, wait a minute, Kelly Riley, Yellowstone. Yes, I do. I do know who this is. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Russell, what did you think of the trailer for The Cursed? Quick uh, sidebar: um, Is the that the, the American French man wasn't Brotherhood of the Wolf like that too? It was, yeah, yeah, it was. It was French. Okay, which is really weird because it's like I know it's 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 not you know completely the the same, but it kind of reminded me of, of that. I guess I don't know why. Um, 
this had the vibes of an A24 film from the beginning um, a little bit. Um, and then like a little bit like it happens or it comes at night, which I fucking hated. Um, you didn't like it? Looked, no, I was not a fan. I, I might need a rewatch of it. I think that, again, I, it was one of those movies like The Snowman. Um, where the trailer misled me to think that this movie was something more than it really was. Do you know what I mean? So we're a comparison, um, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it was honestly, and I'm, I'm saying like the, the the vibe of the trailer from It Comes at Night was completely different than the movie I got. I mean that that was just out of uh, like my perspective. I could be completely wrong. I could maybe need to revisit it, but um, the curse looks okay. I mean, it looks fine enough. I don't understand what was wrong with Cursed with uh, John. Joshua Jackson. I thought that was fine. Oh, uh, yes. Josh, no? Josh, Joshua Jackson. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. Joshua Jackson. Maybe, maybe this is the prequel. Maybe this is the prequel. Dawson's, Dawson's Creek's da- own da- Josh Jackson? Duck, Ring a bell? Mighty Ducks' own Josh Jackson? <laughs> Scream 2's own Joshua Jackson? What? We're doing it. It's getting... Getting crazy. <laughs> oh uh, man! But yeah. but yeah, it looks it looks okay though. And I, I hate when they hype that up though. Oh my god, this movie's so scary! Like I hate that stuff, man. Don't do that stuff. Yeah, Don't put those quotes at the beginning of a film. <laughs> it's, uh, I remember Paranormal Activity did that. Oh yeah, but but like, honest to God though, Paranormal Activity was a, a special experience. Like at least at least like for me when I saw it, I'm like, dude, this movie's gonna be fantastic. I enjoy. I still enjoy it. I know a lot, it gets a lot of shit, but I I, I was I was. I, I I totally was uh, I was there was sometimes I got I had a lot of goosebumps on my arms during that film, but like I said I, I I'm looking forward to this I'm a horror lover but I just don't uh, I don't know we'll see I'm excited for more more werewolf movies I feel like we don't get enough of this they're very underrated I mean they're very not underrated they're very just like they're not made very often you they're know not, which sucks like but world are my favorite movie monster and like like Wolfman is not gonna cut it. Yeah, well, 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 man, most certainly not going to cut it. I mean, with that cast, how the hell could it be bad? But it was. Um, Very, quite bad. Quite bad. Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Don't be confused with that one. You know what? Werewolves then is actually pr- pretty, pretty good. Have you seen it? No, I want to see that wolf one where the, that animal, uh, the, the, uh, that, uh, what the hell was it? The, like that hospital oh, or whatever? The one, the one with George Mackay? Yeah, it looks good, man. It's on demand. I, or it's not on demand, but it's on. Um, Amazon Prime, rent before like uh, I don't know, not featured or whatever. I, I really want to see it. I think it looks good. It's been getting shit reviews, but I think it's like I kind of dig it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it looks it looks weird. I, I want I want to check I want to check it yeah. out. It's never played near me, so you can go on it's on Amazon. I think it like I I have no problem dropping like like five bucks for it to rent it or six bucks to yes, rent okay, it. Yes, okay, I, I do I do see that. Yeah, it's 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 available for rent right now. <laughs> oh, it's at nineteen bucks. It's nineteen, yeah. It's one of those. One you, know, of those uh, you know, I, I think I would like it enough. Maybe I don't know. I think I think you have to buy it. I don't think you can rent it. Now I did that with Matrix, uh, the new Matrix. By the way, I bought it without having watched it yet. Okay, so when I buy it on Blu-ray, we can do a giveaway with the digital code for the Matrix. There we go. Maybe we could do a little, you know, Matrix Reloaded or something. It's, it's, odd, it's odd that you bought it, considering that the movie is, considering that it's still on Max at this point. Or at least it was. It, 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 well, no, they took it off because it was. Oh, it's off now? Oh, wait. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it was on there, but I wanted to get it anyway. So okay. it doesn't really matter because if I bought it out on Blu ray anyway, I mean, yeah, I'm spending an extra $20 for it, but I figured it, it would give us a digital code to give away for, like, to do something with. Fair enough. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, next show, last show we're talking about today. Hallelujah. Uh, is for Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Uh, TP baby, <laughs> but a Medea Homecoming. 
this is the return of Tyler Perry to his famous, to his famous Medea character. Uh, a mere three years after he retired the character. Yeah, gotta get, need that money, man. There ain't no money coming. He hasn't. I mean, he, I mean no. I mean, he <laughs> well, doesn't. I mean, he does. <laughs> he definitely does have the money. He's yeah. he's 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 okay. If there's anything he has, it's the money. <laughs> he's not gonna worry about where his next meal's coming from. Yeah. Uh, but but funny enough, you did call this like years ago when we talked about the trailer. We're just like, watch. Gonna come a time where he's gonna dust. He's gonna dust off the dust off the dress. He's gonna bring this character back. And I told you. You did. You did. Yep. And this in this movie, uh, Medea is planning a celebratory dinner for her great grandson's graduation, but a family secret threatens to ruin the event. Oh, his shit's so simple, man. I, like God, this guy. He got it though, man. He got the, like the Blumhouse, like the Blumhouse method, only like in like plot. You know no, what he, I mean? He like really that simple. Like, it's, it's the simple plots. Before, before there was Blumhouse, <laughs> there was Tyler Perry. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, it's like the simplest thing. A guy goes for the walk until the walk goes awry. Goes you know, it's like what? <laughs> what is like, What? What's gonna happen? Is somebody gonna jump out and get him? Yeah. I like, like, I'm curious enough. Like, yeah, sure. Why? Well, let's do it. You know, what's this family secret? Yeah, Oof. I mean, look, I, I've seen every single one of these Medea movies, I, as have I, and they are just—they're just confusing pieces of cinema. They really are. Listen, and I, but you have to like—you either appreciate it or you don't. Uh, there's no like, you know what I mean? There's no left or right on this one. It's like pretty much you either like them or you hate them. Yeah. Um, but I think these movies get like absolutely trounced on by people like on IMDb or just like just just in, in general Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but but that's I don't know they're like. They're they're entertaining, you know. What I mean, they're funny, and, and and like Tyler Perry's just so fucking talented, man. I just I don't know. It's crazy. And not only that, this is apparently going to be serve as a backdoor pilot for a oh. Medea series. What on Netflix? Get out! No, not on Netflix. That's the weird thing on Showtime. What? What? Like what? That's your segue right there. That's your segue, man. Like, seriously, you're putting this out on Netflix. Why not have a series on oh, Netflix? Guys, seriously, you guys dropped the ball, man. Or, shit, you, or you put my on, shit is. Or put it on Stars. At least the, the black stream. The black. Or just put it on channel. TP Plus. Make your own fucking streaming. He has enough fucking shit. Tyler Perry Plus. I'm oh telling you, God. you watch. This shit is coming. This shit is coming. Dude. All of his, like, all of his plays, all of his TV shows, all of his, like, motion pictures, all under one umbrella. I'm telling you. Team up with Oprah. Put all, like, the own stuff on there. TP Plus. I'm telling you, dude. It's done. <laughs> I'm fucking done. I'm calling this shit right now. TP Plus. Make anyway, it happen. This, this movie is set for release on February 25th, 2022, exclusively to Netflix. Uh, moving on to our our new segment, Notorious News. Have, a, have some stuff to talk about today. Uh, first of which, uh, Kevin Costner is back in the news. Oh, boy. Uh, not for a bad reason. Uh, he is set oh. to star and finally direct again. I feel it's been like forever since he had a movie directed by Kevin Costner. Man, uh, what was the last thing he directed? I don't. I'm trying, I'm trying to think. I don't know. It was like it can't. It can't be the Postman, right? 1997's Postman. Yeah, like that. That that can't be it. He had to have something after that, but I don't remember anything. Yeah, I don't either. Oh my god, Oof. Open Range. Oh my god, Open Range is fantastic too. I did like that movie. Yeah, he is set to direct another movie. Uh, this first one, like the first one since Open Range, uh, also going to be a western. Uh, it's going to be called Horizon. It's going to take. It's going to be a 
movie about the 15 years of Westward ex- of Westward expansion. Like that, he will uh, star and co-produce. Uh, I'm sorry, co-produce probably and co-direct. Uh, he's, he has a weird obsession with the West now. And I think I do attribute a lot got, of that got, to Yellowstone. He got bit by the he got bit by the bug again. He did. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm yeah, like, I'm, I'm kind of shocked how long it's been since we actually seen like a movie directed by Kevin Costner. What was that? Uh, Open Range was like oh three oh four oh three yeah almost twenty. Yeah, years. I was gonna say Jesus twenty years. That's crazy. By the time this one comes out, it's probably it's gonna be twenty years. So, uh, mm-hmm. we ready to watch another Kevin Costner joint? Absolutely. Why not? I loved Open Range. Open Range is really good. Yeah, I never, never never saw Open Range. That's it's a slow what's a slow burn. A lot of those westerns are. Uh, you just have to. I don't know. You just have to have a, a palate for it. It's it's it, they're tough sometimes to get into, but. I feel like that, like three ten to Yuma. Some of the newer ones, you know what I mean, like the the newer westerns I, I use loosely are more entertaining. Yeah, I, I can I can totally see with that. I, I I can understand where you're coming from with that. Uh, next news, next piece of news you're talking about. Uh, well, speaking speaking of Netflix, uh, Netflix has now bought a new movie from Academy Award nominated filmmaker Lee Daniels. Uh, they won a bidding war. For a new movie he's doing, which you think Lee Daniels, okay, it's gonna be like a race, uh, race drama, right? Not exactly. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a exorcism thriller. What? Yeah. Uh, apparently, this came with a hefty price tag of sixty-five million dollars, and it's going Jeez. to be uh, starring Andre Day, Glenn Close, Octavia Spencer, Rob Morgan, and Caleb McLaughlin, as well as Anjana Ellis, who's gonna be nominated for an Oscar for King Richard. Uh, no word on what the movies. Are. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, yes, there is. Uh, don't, there's no title or log on this. Apparently, based on like a true story. Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna be about an Indiana mother who believes her child has become demonically possessed. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, this seems. This feels very different than anything Daniels has done in the past. Like, very different than yeah. in the past. But uh, yeah, uh, what do you think of him doing this? Uh, you know, this new. Exorcism though, like trying to step out of his user comfort zone. I, mean, I think we always commend directors, actors, actresses uh, abroad. You know, what I mean, I think we always commend just stepping out of your comfort. You know, doing something completely different. That's all. That's what art's about. Um, you know, try different things. You know, who knows? You know, give it a shot. Yeah, no, definitely curious to see where, I mean, how, how this goes. I'm always rooting for the guy, even though I don't always, I don't always love his movies. But I am, I am always rooting for the guy. And, and you can find Lee Daniels in uh, what the Butler on TP Plus. Yeah, by by his by his <laughs> all his movies too. Why not? There, there you have it. It's done. I'm telling you. And well, speaking again of Netflix, uh, Netflix has now set the lead for their upcoming He-Man movie. Uh, it's going to star uh, West Side Story's own Kyle Allen. Which I heard is Kyle Allen's playing He-Man. I'm like the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, no. This is uh, this is something else. Apparently, it's gonna be directed by uh, the Knee Brothers, who just uh, they just directed something. I forgot what. Um, but yeah, so Netflix is clearly going hard hard in the paints on He Man. I mean, you could do a He Man with one Taylor Kitsch. Hello, would yeah. that not lend itself to a? I think he would be a good He Man. Texas Forever. Oh, I thought you tail out in for a second. I'm like, God, no, absolutely not. No, I'm not talking about Jacob. <laughs> I'm talking about Friday Night Lights own Texas Forever, Texas Forever Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. 
Yeah, but you know, <laughs> he, he, he got a chance at the fail. And no, I don't know if he's playing both Prince Adam and He Man, or just Prince, or or just Prince Adam. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, like I said, Netflix is doubling down on He Man. We got two two different shows. They're having yeah, this movie. Really about it. This is like one. Of, this is going to be their next IP. But the thing is, look, we, we did we watched and reviewed the whole Master of the Universe nineteen eighty seven movie, which is on which is on this feed, which you can go back and listen to and listen to our commentary. Do you, do you think He Man could work as as, as as like a sincere like a serious business He Man movie? Do you think this can work? Oh man, I don't know. We have to bring Adam back on the show for that one. I think that'd be kind of funny. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I just, uh, it depends on what, you know what I mean? I just, cause I think of this from my childhood. I think I'm thinking like eighties, you know, I'm thinking of like the cartoon and stuff like that, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to see this translate into like an emotion picture. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, but we, we have the technology now. I mean, even more so now we don't have to, uh, those awful like parade floats and from the 1987 film. Oof. Well, it's, it's not um, so much like it's not so much like the effects. Of the, I just think he yeah. Man, I think He Man's just like I'm not disrespecting to any disrespecting anybody who likes He Man. I think He Man <laughs> just like stands from a just stands from a dumb idea. I mean, it does, but but a lot of those. But you got to think about it like how simple the '80s were cartoon wise. Anyway, there's a lot of simplistic cartoons that just you know what I mean it, it would just they wouldn't translate well now. And I mean, I'm I'm just just you know throwing it out there. I I, I don't have a you know a list or anything. I'm just saying a lot of those ones were just. You know, kind of just stupid ideas that worked. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, just like you know, and I've, and I've seen, like I said, I've, I've seen part some of the Kevin Smith Kevin Smith show. Not that yeah. I didn't like it, I haven't had to finish it. Well, I've liked, I've really liked what I've seen from that show. Yeah, they, there was one in like the mid two thousands that was actually pretty good, but it's still heat. <laughs> I get it, man. I don't know. I just I'm all about like I'm my mindset like from eighty like I said the eighty seven Masters of the Universe and just watching those old cartoons on VHS, uh, renting as a giant eagle. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, yeah, I just I don't know what, what it. I don't know what a He Man in twenty in the twenty twenties looks like. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's see if they can actually make this work. But you know, congrats to Kyle Allen. You can barely you can barely throw a football, but maybe you can maybe you can wield the sort of attorney. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to work out a little bit, though. Unless I get someone else to play like the body, which, okay, I get it. Um, next piece you're talking about, uh, we, have some, we have some other Disney Plus news. Uh, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, after losing at Star Media Estevez, uh, has found <laughs> someone to fill his skates, per se. Leading this series for season two is going to be Josh Dumel. Oh, okay. Now, that would have been funny if you said Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. <laughs> Did you see him on skates? They, they <laughs> I got a DUI too. <laughs> In real life. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hockey. You gotta play hockey with a stick. All right. Shut the fuck up, son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, so uh, he's not he is not playing Gordon Bombay in this new show because I feel like that's, that's, that was a losing proposition if he did. No, oh, what yeah. he, what he's going to be is he's going to be a, a former NHL player, a disgraced NHL player who is now going to be uh, going to coaching uh, youth hockey. Which, by the way, I think that would have been a great premise for the show from the get go. But I know you you want to bring back Emilio if you're doing Mighty Ducks. You want the fills. I, I I get that. But Josh Dumble's a great actor. I I think he's perfect for that role though. Oh, absolutely. 
And yeah. uh, Lauren Graham is still cl- is still coming back. I, I I never watched the first season. I, did I? Yeah, I mean, I I, I did want to watch it. I just never got around to it. I've heard, I've heard very good things. Uh, but do you think the show can actually do well without Emilio Estevez? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the base is like because we have never seen it. So maybe we maybe that'd be homework sometime to do that. I I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Uh, next piece you're talking about is uh, <laughs> Fast Ten is firmly oh, in the works. Oh God, yes, firmly in the works. Uh, after The Rock has publicly declined uh, Vin Diesel's generous offer to come back, uh, they're looking to other sources, that being Jason Momoa. Which, yeah, figures when you can't get The Rock, who else do you get? Um, so, yeah, uh, Jason Momoa coming into Fast 10, the Fast franchise, period. Uh, what do you think, Russell? Yeah, I mean, if you lose the rock, you you gain muscle with Jason Momoa, I guess. Uh, I don't know, one DC superhero to another. I don't know. Sure. Now, here's here's what I think he's playing. First of all, I feel like I think it'd be really funny who just uh, just another <laughs> Toretto brother. I think I absolutely wouldn't that be funny? You have a you have a triplet. What? <laughs> There's another one. What? Where do you keep coming from? Yeah, it's like you guys are looking more and more not alike. <laughs> you, think, you think John Cena was a big ass? Oh. About, about now. All my beer. Yeah. Uh, no, but here's what I think. You, you saw Hobbs and Shaw, right? Yeah. So, in, yeah, in that movie, as you, pro- as you may, may, not, may not remember, there was, like, a bigger villain behind the plot of that movie. We never, yeah. saw, we never saw his face, just a disembodied voice. It's yeah. someone who has a connection to Hobbs. I feel like that's Mo- Momoa is going to be playing. And yeah, well. I feel like it's gonna, who's going to be playing, and I feel like it's going to be his brother. Yeah. I mean, why not? Uh, but, yeah, so Fast 10, Justin Lin is coming back. Uh, set for a release, I believe, next year or the year after. And you can also listen to where it all began on our feed here. Fast and Furious. Fast and the Furious. The th- Check oh, it out. No, no, sorry, not Fast and Furious. The Fast and the, the Furious. The Fast and the Furious before <laughs> grammar got all out of whack. Yeah, the, yeah the, the one with the thes. Uh, yeah, set for, of, set for release May of 2023. Going to be one part of a uh, two-part uh, conclusion with Fast 11. Goody. <laughs> They're never going to stop, They're man. They're never going to stop. And you can find us exclusively on TP Plus. But speaking of, <laughs> he's got he's got that too. I don't know. Maybe who knows? We could have a whole entire world, man. Yeah, they should, they should get Tyler Perry to be the villain in Fast and Furious Ten. I mean, he's there, man. He, he, under underappreciated, man. I'm telling you, he's there. He, he'd take the call. <laughs> uh, but speaking of what things the Rock uh, the Rock is doing, first of which he's going to be the, got two words of two products he's doing. First of which uh, is a. Holiday action comedy called Red One. No word on what the plot is, but this is this is the logline, and I'm not making this up. Uh, it's going to be a globe-trotting four-quadrant action adventure comedy, imagining a whole new universe to explore within the hol- holiday genre. This is a holiday movie. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> uh, Jake Kazan of, of the uh, Jumanji film is going to be directing and co-starring in that movie. It was broke this week. Chris Evans is going to be teaming up with The Rock. Jeez. Uh, we also got word that The Rock is working on another video game movie. 
no word on what this is, but he is, he did say he's going to be making a movie based on one of the biggest, most badass games of all time. Again, didn't say what it was. Let the <laughs> speculation. So what, what what do we think he's making here? Oh, man. My man is on, my I, man is on, on, on Tetris. Colin Tetris. Why not? I mean, sure. How about uh, Frogger? Frogger. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's get crazy, you know? Pong. Should be Pong. Pong? Pong? Uh, Me- Mega Man? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, we hear that. But what do you think of the holiday action comedy featuring Chris Evans? I mean, sure. I, I, again, I think he'll have good chemistry on the screen with him. I think it'll be, I mean, it'll be fun. Uh, they'll almost play it like a, you know the Ryan Reynolds. I, I didn't see the Ryan Reynolds in the Rock movie with oh, Gal Red Notice. Yeah, but I think it'll be the same type of. I did. You know I did I mean? see it. Oh, was it okay? It's it's odd. It's not very good. I, okay. It's it's like oh, it's like fine. Okay, it's like middle of the road. Okay. Eh. Yeah. That's okay. Good thing about for, thing. The most shocking thing about the movie the fact that it apparently costs like over a hundred million dollars. Money does not show in that movie at all. Does not okay. show one bit. So you're paying the cast, okay? Yeah, paying. The, I'm like, how okay. much? No, trust me. Watch it, and you're gonna yeah. tell, and you're gonna be like, money does not show at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so there's that. And uh, next thing we're talking about. Speaking of people doing weird, crazy stuff, Jake Gyllenhaal's back in the news. Hey, Jakey G. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal lined up his new movie, Cut and Run, uh, in which he. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even do this. Uh, it's set to star him. Assume uh, he's the ringleader of a group of thieves who spend their time stealing from super yachts and escaping on high-powered speedboats. Sure. Is this vast in the mirror on boats? Uh, all, all it would take is a uh, Nick Nol- or, or not yeah Nick Nolte, uh, a Nicholas Cage <laughs> uh, co-starring. But yeah, so yeah, Jake Dunham announced this is on the back of a lot of weird things he's been asked to be doing <laughs> recently. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's go with yeah, it. I like I like Jake Gyllenhaal. So, I mean, I'll, I'll watch. I'll support I do. Anything. I do love Jake Gyllenhaal. This feels like things you would like. You know, you know how Nicholas Cage won his Oscar, started just doing just ev- anything in every like weird movie that came across his yeah. desk. This is what Jake Gyllenhaal, I think. Yeah, it feels like this is what he's doing minus the Oscar. Yeah, which I it's crazy. This man does not have an Oscar yet. Should have yeah. had one. And probably yeah, probably should have had one a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's strange, and especially because this is a guy who, like, for so long, just completely avoided big blockbuster filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, took himself out of it to do these small indie indie films. And um, now he's firmly back. Crazy, I mean, it's super crazy. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'll watch it. <laughs> I do love Jake Gyllenhaal. I want to see him like you know escape via high powered speedboats. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> uh, next thing we're talking about is. I mean, it's been talked about for a long time. Uh, it's been rumored, speculated. It's now been officially announced. Mortal Kombat 2021 is officially getting a sequel. Yeah. What surprised me the fact that apparently it, it, it took this long. I mean, I think we saw. I mean, I mean, you and I, I think probably saw the writing on the wall sooner. I mean, just like everybody else, I would imagine did. I mean, it did. It did fantastic. I mean, it did I mean, okay. Um, Russell. This is still yeah. the most popular day and date release HBO Max ever had. It's crazy. It it is. I mean, the movie was good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Fine. I mean, I, I did. Um, yeah, yeah. This is this is good. I mean, like video games are starting to make that turnaround now with uh, Sonic, the big success of Sonic, and now uh, Mortal Kombat, the day and day release, and just yeah, good good for them. And this is the thing. Like, I I wasn't a big fan of the first Mortal Kombat. There's there's had some, had some bright spots. 
But I do think that it leaves a lot of potential for like a really, really solid sequel. And I feel like they have a chance to make that sequel. Uh, the yeah. same writer is not coming back. Yeah, the writer's not coming back. The writer for this time is going to be Jeremy Slater, uh, who's working on, he worked in the, the Umbrella Academy, and he's working on Moon Knight for Disney Plus right now. Well, my, th- my thing is, if because we, we're going to bring Johnny Cage in the second one. I mean, Absolutely. all signs pointed to that. Um, let's just not kill him in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Annihilation. I mean, can we just not do that? And I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's Johnny Cage, and there you go, Johnny Cage. Hell, kill, like, kill Cole yeah. Young. Kill that, yeah. kill that boring son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, like you kill Johnny Cage, really? Like you're crazy. It's, it's, it's madness. Mortal it's, Kombat Annihilation was madness. Yes, it was. We'll probably end up talking about it some someday. Someday, we'll we'll, I guarantee you, we'll end up talking about it. We we would have to. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so I, I I am excited for the potential of Mortal Kombat sequel. I just hope sure. that they can actually follow through with like a really like, a solid movie this time around. Which I mean, you know, they, the the ninety five one, the new one, we're, and we're, they're, they're fun, they're enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they're far they're they're far from you know good movies. Ninety five nostalgic for me. So I was twelve when it came out. So you know, total nostalgia. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed this one fine. Mortal Kombat Annihilation was awful. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, like I said, the, two, two, uh, the first one ends off at a point where it ends off at a point where you have a lot of promise for the sequel. Yeah, and you have so many characters that you didn't put in the first one that you could totally. You, you, I mean, you have so many different you know ways to go. Yeah, and the last thing we're talking about today is we had some t- talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, so James Gunn said in a recent interview that. This is going to be the, this basically will be the closing chapter for this current team, uh, which caused a lot of speculation. They really put in perspective of like what James what what James Gunn's priorities are now, because I mean you look at like James Gunn, he was hired to do not only was hired to do like flashbacks to 2017, not only was he hired to do Guardians three, but he was hired to oversee this like new cosmic phase of the MCU that was going to yeah. be happening soon. Uh, then you know he got wrongfully fired. Went over to DC, did some stuff for them, uh, and then he got, he got he got Guardians back, and it seems like he's just he like he just doesn't want to he doesn't want to, doesn't want to work at Marvel anymore like or, you know he's like he's gonna do three because he agreed to do it but doesn't like, doesn't want to work with them in, in expanded capacity anymore yeah which I, which I find interesting yeah I mean but I mean you, you yeah I, I don't know that is he, he has put a lot of work into the MCU though. No, he, yeah, he has. He, he, if, if, if this is the last MCU movie, God bless him. God yeah. bless him. Dude put, it, dude put in some absolutely stellar films, put in some yeah. great character work. My question is, you know, it's like if this is going to be the last time for this current team, uh, who do you think is going to be sticking around in the future? Because look, Batista's gone. Batista's gone, for sure. Oh, I I don't know, man. I, Drax is the comedic relief. I mean, you're going to have Groot for sure, and you're going to have Rocket. Rocket. I mean, I think those guys automatically... Your your you know your Laurel and Hardy characters. I Adam, mean, your Adam Warlock just got here, so he's he's gonna stick around for a bit. Yeah, I feel like, so I feel like Mantis could go away. Kraglin's probably gone. Mantis can go away. Yeah, I, I mean, I would really be surprised if Drax Drax really gonna go. I think so. Cause I I, just, I think David Batiste is over at this point. I mean, but what else does he have going? You know what I mean? Oh, like he's, he's a lot actually. Like David Batiste is actually like a pretty sought after actor. No, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything against him. I just think that, I mean, if you have this, I mean, play with it, go with it. You know what I mean? Uh, I just think his character's really liked a lot. Like, again, that 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 
you know, the comedic relief that kind of Rocket and, uh, you know, Groot do. I think I think he could be, I don't know, I, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't make any more cameos outside of uh, Volume 3. I do, I do hope Star I do hope Star-Lord sticks around because I do, I do love Star-Lord. One of my, one of my favorite I do too, yeah. Uh, Gamora is gonna be gonna be interesting because you know, like I, I feel like they're not gonna kill her because they just they just they're about to get her back again. But yeah, yeah, yeah like, there's yeah, a good like half of the squad that's not gonna be around anymore. It's gonna be sad, but you know, I'm very still very excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, uh, set for release May fifth, twenty twenty three. But I do want to talk about like his DC stuff because you know, Peacemaker's on HBO Max, doing doing very well for itself. And Which I need to watch because you yeah. watched it. You're gonna you're gonna love it. I guarantee you're I ha- gonna love it. I have, but good news. I've watched the two episodes of uh, the Sex and the City. Oh, yeah, and I have. Ju- and just like that, <laughs> just like that, I'm like really shocked that, yeah, they're they're okay. Yeah, I mean, is that spoilers if we talk about it? I don't think anybody that listens to this probably watches that. No, uh, the fact that like, Mr. Big died. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, one. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, how do you kill him? Why even have him in there? Like, I, I'm just like, that's craziness. Well, that's the, madness. The the ironic thing is that happened before he got he got out for sexual harassment. Dude, it, it was like, yeah, which <laughs> really kind of worked in their benefit. But which is crazy because none of the cast or anybody came forward from Sex and the City to talk about that, did they? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think like any of them were affected by it. But it which like, makes you wonder because he worked on that show a lot with them. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But any anywho, but like what really surprised, really surprised. What I, do I, I like. Yeah, Peacemaker is, is doing great. Okay. Uh, likely getting a second season. It has 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 been confirmed yet, but you know, first season hasn't finished yet. We don't even know if second season is possible. Um, but okay. yeah, it looks like he and he, there's word that he's doing another uh, project for DC. So okay, and it's funny because like you know, like we had like brown haired James Gunn working with Marvel, and now he's gone all white, and now he's working yeah. with DC. Uh, do you think like he's gonna make be part of DC in a more expanded capacity in this place? In in this case. I'm- yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it, I mean, he, the dude's creative. I, I think, uh, you know, he has a good thing going. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would like to, basic, you know, from what I've heard about this, the Peacemaker shows, you know, really, really funny. And even the trailer that we watch, I mean, I definitely want to watch it. Again, I just, I've been, my priorities, not on And So It Goes, but like, uh, we just started Ozark. Um, so we've got a lot of, a lot of things we've got to, priorities there. It's, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's really tough. All these, there's too many damn shows streaming. Too many. I, I've <laughs> too said many. this before, and it's only growing. It's only getting more and more. Streaming's a motherfucker, man. Streaming's a motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, there could be worse problems. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, entertainment's right there at your fingertips. <laughs> how, dare, yeah. how, dare, how dare they? Uh, sucks. Speaking of entertainment at your fingertips, let's talk about... Let's move on to our movie of the week, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is the Yorgos one that I hadn't seen. I was, actually, yeah. I was actually shocked that you'd seen Dogtooth. <laughs> and it was funny. And the funny thing about it, and I, I know because it doesn't seem like my cup of tea, but I actually really like that movie too. It's like it was, it was great. I, but it was, but it's a, it's, it's, it's his fucked up style, and I, I, I like it though. It's, it's, it's twisted enough to where it's like I like it. Um, I watched it on. I don't know what the hell it was on. I saw that Yorgos Lanthimos directed it, and I, I was watching. It. I don't know if it was Crackle or something. It was free, and I started watching. It. I think it was might have been Crackle. Um, I just started watching it and, uh, I just, I didn't stop and yeah, I, I own it on uh, Blu-ray now. Um, I have all of his movies on Blu-ray, but, uh, yeah, I just, it was one of those ones where I just, I don't know. I, I, I really liked Dogtooth. It was a really bizarre film. Like, I mean, again, we'll talk about his style, but, uh, you definitely could tell. Yeah. So Landemus was, was like I said, Greek, 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 Greek filmmaker, uh, actually former, actually, uh, 
was a professional, was a professional basketball player. Well, I'm sorry, his dad was a professional basketball player, basketball player at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated from school. Uh, gradu- graduated from his school. Went on to study business administration. Ditched that. Went uh, went to film school. Uh, got to start uh, directing videos for a Greek dance theater. Directed some TV commercials, music videos, short films. You know your, your basic stuff. Uh, then he got his first. You know his, his first big bigger breaks came in you know, 2001. There's a little Greek comedy called My Best Friend. Uh, did some more Greek stuff. Yeah, Kaneda, Doctors, which, which we which we mentioned. Uh, yeah. and also Alps. Uh, his big American breakthrough was when A24 found him, gave him a shot in a little movie called The Lobster. Wait, was it A24? This was not. Never mind. Uh, uh, who did who did do this? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it had. It was an A24 vibe type film. It it, it did. I guess one was A24, A24, but I guess I guess I'm wrong. Uh, but yes, uh, fi- Film Four. Film Four took a, took a shot on him. Uh, let him make The Lobster. Got him a lot of critical acclaim. Deservedly so. That that movie is fantastic. Uh, and then he went on to make this next film, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, didn't catch as uh, much talk as like the lobster, but uh, and like I said, I, I, I didn't see this, this. This is my first time watching it. Uh, this um, is my this will be my third third uh, time I've seen. It. But yeah, you know, watch watching it now. You could, I actually did have a lot of appreciation for it. So <laughs> <laughs> talking. So yeah, uh, but nothing else. Nothing else to say to tee up. Let's get into this. This is the Killing of a Sacred Deer. We open with, I'm not sure if this is real or not. If it, if this is a, if this is real, I, I'd be like, shit. How did you, how did you get this? Because it opens with actual like heart surgery being performed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a, I mean, again, and, and a lot of stuff that you'll notice with uh, Lanthimos's films are those scores, that instrumental score, really builds attention of, of his films. I think it sets it sets the tone, uh, and I always appreciate that. Yeah, we meet our main we meet our main character. It's Thomas, right? Uh Steven, Steven. you talk about Colin Farrell. Did I say Thomas? Why is it why did I say Thomas? You know okay, this this is stupid. I was, th- I was thinking of uh Thomas Wayne, who's also also a surgeon. Uh but yeah. Steven, uh played by Colin Farrell. The first thing first thing you know is watching this movie, for me at least, was the cinematography. Oh, it's fa- fantastic. The, the Do you uh, know the city they were shooting outside? Pittsburgh. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. That's right, they, they do they do mention it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Nice little shout out to the, the natty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, first thing you notice in this film is the fact that the cinematography is just absolutely stellar. It's a lot, it's a lot, of, a lot of tracking shots, a lot of, a lot of panning. Yeah. A lot of. It's almost like you're like an observer to these events. Like you have some kind of like higher power over these characters. I think it's like a very, you know, very like interesting feel for Yorgos to go yeah. through in the, in this film. Yeah, you're like gliding along with these characters. Yeah. So we meet our main character, uh, Steven. I'm sorry, I almost called him Thomas again, uh, Stephen. As as he sits down with a young boy named Martin, played by Barry Keoghan, who did have a pretty stellar 2017 between this and Dunkirk. Well, I, 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 I know we don't like Dunkirk, but it, it did <laughs> it did yeah. do well. It got his name out yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I, I, he stills he stills this though for sure. Yeah. But like the whole time you're watching this, these two go at these two talk. You're just like. What's the relationship here? Because they never it's, say it. Yeah, it, 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 it's a while before you actually find out like how these two characters are even connected. But you're watching, just like, okay, something's going on between you two. Like, are, like, are you, are you doing this, kid, or what's going, what's going on? <laughs> but, but that's the that's the uh, that's the uncomfortableness I think that Lanthimos p- presents and throws in these films. It's just that um, 
it's it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's 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 just there. There's something more to it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we know that there's something going on. Like, well, how does this kid and Steven's character like? How do they? How are they connected? Like, what's going on? There's a lot of uncomfortable like moments in this, and it's just awkward. I, I would say a lot of awkward moments between the two. Just dialogue. It's just it's really it's just really awkward. Well, I, I think the thing like you know at the beginning of the movie, a lot of, a lot of dialogue is a lot of dialogue, a lot of the acting. It's like it's. It's stilted. It's almost alien yeah. in nature. It doesn't seem natural. It and, and that's the thing. It's like conversations that you're having aren't like natural conversations that you would have. Obviously, we'll talk more about that when they mention like, you know, sexual things, obviously. But it's just like conversations you just don't randomly have. Right. And kind like of like things that like said. things that like human people just don't say. <laughs> or just say it like that. Say it like real like nonchalantly. You know what I mean? But I will say the cast is actually really great. Colin Farrell in this, especially fantastic. as the film progresses, fantastic. Fer- Farrell, like I, I've given Farrell some shit in my time, I really have. But he is a stellar, stellar actor. Oh yeah, I mean from I mean this is you know this is uh, you know Daredevil. This is Bullseye. This is uh, yeah, Sonny Crockett. This, or, you this know, is a guy or, who could have you know? he could have been like a Hollywood like pretty boy just making these like random like crap movies, but he decided to take on like he decided to take a career like this more like artsy direction. I, I do appreciate that because he's fant- he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, as he got older, he really kind of transformed himself as an actor, like not being in these big you know hey notice me notice me into these side pieces these small uh, like indie indie films, which I mean obviously got a lot of. Uh, you know, good buzz out of. Yeah, but it's funny. Uh, he's the only actor in the film who actually gets to use their real accent. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole Kidman, Barry Keoghan, both firmly American. Colin Farrell. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's still Irish. Yep, he's still he's he's still Irish. Oh uh, yeah, and his wife played by Nicole Kidman. Also, she brings a lot of warmth to the, to this movie. Work like you know, like we said, like a lot of these intros can feel very cold, but she actually does. She managed to feel very a little more natural, but like, and like when we say this, the the open at the openings, opening scenes, and opening dialogue and acting feel like stilted and cold. I don't, I don't mean that as a negative because that's clearly what he's going for. No, but you're paying more attention to it because it's not normal. Exactly, and then that's why I think that he he uses this because you're hooked on 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 dialogue. You're hooked on the words that the actors and actresses are saying and conversing because it's not. It's not it's not like uh, as we say fluent. It doesn't make you know what I mean. It's not like you and I having a conversation like we are now. You know what I mean? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, it, and then, I think it's a very good point. Like, yeah, because because all these like strange occurrences are happening, you do take a little more notice. It's like that like the events that are transpiring. Like you're you're li- like, trying to figure out like okay, what is I'm supposed to be seeing here? Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Bill Camp, uh, character actor Bill Camp, who I do love whenever he shows up in anything. Plays uh, Colin Farrell's doctor friend. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, uh, talking about, and also, the movie also has like I don't even know, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it has like a weirdly, weirdly twisted sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's one, like, there's one scene where like Colin Farrell's talking to Bill Camp's character, and he's like casually says, "My daughter started menstruating." Yeah, which I mean, again, and this is like normal. Th- 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 I don't not normal, but this is conversation I'm saying in this film that just aren't you just things that you just don't talk like every day like this like you know what i mean um i don't know i, I don't know how to gauge that as, as as a joke or it just you know what i mean it just it, or it just falls along in this type of dialogue that uh lanthimos is, is shooting for maybe i don't know yeah yeah i don't know if it's supposed to be funny but it, it does get a laugh 
But anyways, but it's off-putting for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Like Martin keeps coming by the hospital to see Stephen, and you're just like, uh, he was just like, but he's not like, telling him to go. In fact, like, the, the two of them do have like a relationship that you're, you're still trying to unravel. Yeah. Uh, and the point where like I, he's, he's he's like not uncomfortable with him because he does bring him by the house, and that's when we do find out that Martin was an old patient of his. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Uh, we also see, like, again, some weird things still happening. We're just like, yeah, they're under your arms. <laughs> can you can you show me? And he's like, takes off his shirt. We're like, oh, yeah. Like, me? if somebody would walk in, they'd be like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Like, not like, you know, yeah, because they're comparing, um, you know, he's saying about, you know, hair under his arms. And he says, you're really hairy. And it's like, Colin Farrell is really not that hairy. Um, well, that's, that's later. It, that's later. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, but it's not like, twice. it's just, it's weird, you know? It is. And like it's it's also like strange like I said like I said the the the, the feel of this is weird like that like that's more like hey you you want to stay over I'm like you do, do you know this kid like I mean I know you know this kid but you're yeah. you're already asking us to stay the night like what's 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 going on here it's just that unco- it's again it's just uncomfortable it's, you just feel uncomfortable the whole the whole time I don't know if Lanthimos is really shooting for that um, or he's trying to make you feel uncomfortable so you're paying more attention. Um, I don't know. It's just something that there's a recurring uncomfortable in, in the in the film. Yeah, the whole time you're watching this, like you, you feel in yourself like the axe is about to the axe is gonna drop. I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know why, yeah. but I know it's gonna there's, drop. There's something more. There, there's a reason this kid is in Stephen Colin Farrell's life, uh, or he, there's a reason you know, he's he's around. Yeah, and uh, the, ne- the next day he goes over, actually goes over to his house and meets his mother, played by Alicia Silverstone, who looks fantastic in this who's film. Si- by the way, can we just give look, her a shout out? Still looks great for her. Fantastic, age. man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, it just it, it was really really crazy to see her in a, such a small role, you know. Yeah, and especially like in a, in a movie like this, or like because like I saw her in uh, what is here in The Lodge, where she plays like a very similar role. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Lodge, yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, 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 be, I'd be down for the Alicia Silverstone, like, grounded, gritty yeah. drama. Yeah, I mean, I, like, a, but yeah, it's, it's really, and, and it's really weird how I mean, we'll, we'll start to see, like, Martin really trying to hook his dad, uh, hook his mom up with Colin Farrell, who's clearly married. Yeah, like, they're, like they're sitting on the couch, and, like, he, 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 he like, take his hand, like, just, like, suck, like, suck his finger, only looks mildly annoyed by it. And by the way, can we just say that Martin just completely leaves? By the way, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to bed. I'm tired." As they're watching Groundhog Day, which that's that's another red flag. Yeah, uh, but apparently this was Martin's father's favorite movie. Yeah, and we find out that uh, his father was also a patient. Uh, his father didn't make it; he did. Yeah. Um, we also see like this, and you know, after that, they did kind of build a close friendship because you know he has no father figure in his life. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, you do you do get it. Like you you get why he why he would have you know, like why they would have like this kind of kindred spirit. And I think like in a you got kinda take takes in a different direction where like you know, like a more like upbeat feel to it. But you could, yeah. That's not that's not that's not what they do here. That's definitely not the vibe that uh, they're putting out. Yeah. So Things continue. Things continue to go between, uh, you know, Martin and the family. But that, but yeah, this is when like things actually start happening. Uh, his son gets up one. Stephen's son gets up one morning, and he can't move his legs. 
Yeah, he's completely paralyzed from the uh, waist down. Yeah, so they, they take him to the hospital. All the tests check out fine. He even starts walking again. But yeah. he, as soon as like he, they leave his sight, I, I love the way this is shot. Like it's shot, it's shot from above, so you can really. You know, oh yeah, when he collapses with yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's shot all from above, and he just collapses going it's trying bur- to get out of the hospital. Yeah, yeah it's a bird eye shot of uh, Anna walking with um, Robert, and he just yeah he just falls down. Yeah, only th- only thing is, as far as they can, as far as the doctor can tell, nothing is wrong with him. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is, but we also see how uh, hard-headed, I mean, but I guess it's his son, so I mean, I think anybody, me as a father, obviously would be in the same situation as him, how uh, hard-headed he is to just do any type of test possible, have we ruled out everything uh, before we sit there and diagnose, you know what I mean, anything. Um, he wants to go through the whole entire batarang of different uh, tests, and, and he's exhausting everything, but he's still not... Um, it has to be something. He's not happy with, you know, he's not satisfied with the answer, you know, with no answers. <laughs> but who should show up at this dire of moments? Martin. I mean, he's everywhere. He keeps popping up. And this is effective. Like, he starts to feel less like a friend and more like a malevolent presence because when he, when he popped up, I was just like, oh, no. Yeah, but he's starting to feel more like a stalker, though, too. Yeah. So he basically tells Colin Farrell that the reason this is happening is kind of because of him. Because because Colin Farrell let let his dad die, one of a member of his family has to die now in order to balance things out. Um, and this is where this is more like where this movie starts to get biblical. Um, more of an eye for an eye adage, I would say. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about that at, at the end because like there actually is yeah. there actually is much good good context for that. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically he says like, look, your your, your whole family's going to go through this. They're going to get paralyzed. Then they're, they're going to get paralyzed. They're going to refuse. They're going to refuse food. Then they're going to start bleeding from the eyes. And after that, they're going to die. Yep. So uh, those are the the four stages. Um, and only you can pretty much balance things out by sacrificing one of your uh, family members, or sacrificing somebody from the family. Yep. You got to choose one of your family members to die, and then this, this all goes away. If you don't choose anybody, they all die. But it's crazy though. And that's where you start thinking. Maybe does is Martin have more power than we than we than we think like i mean then you're really starting to question this is where lanthimos really throws the curveball and it's really uh it gets you the 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 viewer to ask us like a lot of questions that you're asking like you know what i mean a lot of questions racing in your head absolutely like uh, we, we see like you know steven is really trying everything not to believe because like trying everything not to believe it because his son is refusing food and they just seem like he's trying to like shove a donut in his son's mouth he's like eat the goddamn donut eat the goddamn donut eat the goddamn donut I'm coming back. I want them all gone. <laughs> well, you're going to need the whole box by the time I get back. Or else. It's like, it's like dude, I mean, why don't you ask him, what, what, did, he, what did he like before? And then then you say, here, eat this. Finish <laughs> this out. You know? said, I don't even like donuts. Dude, I don't like donuts. You know this. <laughs> yeah, we also see that uh, Martin and uh, his daughter, who I didn't recognize before. Did you ever see, did you ever see Tomorrowland? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's that, the, she's the main girl. That's no, she's not the main girl. She's she's the ro- she's the robot. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Kim. Yes, Kim. Yeah. yeah. Another another fantastic young actress too, by the way. Oh, she's great. I, I I really would like to see her do more stuff. Yeah, she's she's kind of developing a uh, sort of relationship, sort of romantic relationship with Martin. But she's so young and naive. It's 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 crazy how just like one time hanging out or whatever. Now she's in love with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so the things are not 
They are not getting better for his son. That's, that's where we get to another scene where, <laughs> I, again, I don't know if this is supposed to be funny or not, but uh, Colin Farrell's wheeling, wheeling his son around the hospital. Takes him out of the chair, oh, tries to get him to walk. He's like gliding him around. Fucking walk! <laughs> and then just, yeah, he just, just, drops him. He just drops him. He just drops him like a bag of garbage. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like, damn, Dad. It's like you're faking this. <laughs> you're faking it, and you're gonna walk now. This is a, this is okay. He's like almost like the joke's up. You can walk. Yeah, and this is where Colin Farrell really starts to like develop his performance. And this is where like all the actors really start to like develop their performances, because like after you know like again where they felt like really. Like, like I said earlier, like almost alien. This that shift, that tone has kind of changed now. Yeah, where so they do feel more grounded, do feel they do feel more realistic, and you feel like where Colin Farrell, like his, where Stephen like, desperately wants to just like have this be done with. And well, there's a, yeah, you, there's you, a you, sense you, of panic now. Yeah, there's, there's I mean, panic. Yeah. there's rage. There's confusion because he just doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Meanwhile, cutting to. Uh, his daughter in school during choir practice, she collapses. Yeah, and it, it wasn't like Kevin McAllister did in Home Alone 2, which you can check out on our feed. Um, <laughs> no, this was uh, completely going numb from the waist down. Obviously, now she is getting paralyzed of, of her of her lower limbs. So uh, now we start to see her going through the various stages of this four-tier uh, of death. Yeah, and, and then he, and he goes to martin's house and he's he just he is fucking pissed he is gonna break down and kill somebody he's gonna, he's break. gonna break open the door and kill somebody that's what, that's what it feels like oh my god it's like yeah like this crazy asshole's pounding on the door we're not gonna let him in it's like, no but that's what, that's what we do kind of gets into some just like more information about you know the, why this is happening the father surgery we find out that colin farrell had uh, Stephen had a drinking problem yeah and it was a regular, apparently a regular thing where he would drink during surgery. But can we just say that Denzel landed a plane drunk? He did land a plane drunk. So let's go ahead. So we could, we you could technically feasibly do it. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> just if you can land, just a saying. Plane, you can land a plane. You can do open heart surgery. Yeah, you could dodge a, you could dodge a wrench. You could dodge a ball. But uh, yeah, yeah, he definitely had a drinking problem. But from what is gathered from the uh, the hand job scene. Which is fantastic, by the way. Um, you know, nothing like a little handy, Jay. Yeah. Um, from from your uh, from your wife to your, uh, you know, your your friend. Your friend. But um, he only had a couple, apparently. But I mean, still something that you obviously wouldn't do, being in you know such a risky, uh, obviously like a risky job like that. Exactly. But the interesting thing about that is the fact that he does blame his friend, who's the anesthesiologist, blames blames like he's like a surgeon can't kill a patient. Only an anesthesiologist can do that. Yeah, and then that obviously. And he teeters that back, which is which is a recurring, which that is a recurring theme in this. Which we'll, again, we'll talk we'll talk about when this is all done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so both kids are in the hospital. Things are not things are not going well. Uh, so, but then his mom, uh, the mom, decides to go and see Martin, and that's where Martin explains, you know, like his connection, his connection to his dad, and how he does blame uh, his, you know, he does like have some resentment for. Uh, Stephen, because his dad died, and yeah. like even and like even though like he's not, he may or may not be the direct cause of this, but like, it, it, I don't know if it's fair, but I know it's happening. But to me, and we'll talk about this later. It's like I feel that he is comparing Colin Farrell's almost like God in this, in this, in this, I guess, uh, in this universe because of the fact that he can pretty much dictate who lives and who dies. 
just by by you know by the by the knife. You know what I mean? So to me, he's a more like a godlike figure. I mean, we'll talk about this later. Uh, that's just the, like what I get out of it. You know what I mean? Um, basically, and we'll, we'll obviously, I'll I'll bring this back obviously at the end of end of the review when we're we're going to talk about this. But I, just keep that in the back burner. I I, I really just think that that's kind of how um, he's viewed by by Martin almost. You know what I mean? But yeah, this scene really this scene to me really showcases Barry Keoghan's acting. And that we said at the, at the beginning, Barry Keoghan to me is the best part of this whole movie. Oh, it's fantastic, and I think it reminds me of um, what was it? Um, uh, what the hell was that movie called? And it wasn't Lucy. That's not the the Scarlett Johansson. What was the one that uh, we watched or you had me watch before? Oh my god, I can't think of the of the name of it. Uh, the kid. Uh, oh my god, words. the father was huh? Come on, use your words. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, I'm like locked up here. Um, what is it? Uh, Tim, um, Timothy Timothy Roth, Tim Roth plays his dad. Oh, loose. Uh, what's that? Loose. Loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's what I was trying to say. Almost feels like his performance in it. You know what I mean? How it's just so um, mesmerizing. I feel like you know Corgan's uh, um, uh, performance in this movie is kind of kind of reminds me of it. Not to that extent, but just that you know you need to pay attention to this actor. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, this this scene to me, especially where like he's like eating spaghetti with like with like the scene where he's eating spaghetti with Nicole Kidman, like explaining this whole thing, yeah. like connects with his dad. And like I said, the, the line he the, exactly had it. I, I don't misquote it because like I don't know if what is what if, I don't know if what is happening is fair, but it's the closest thing I can, I can think of the justice. Yeah, and and basically justice, obviously, um, for you know killing his father. You know what I mean? Base again, like an eye for an eye. We'll talk about this uh, later on. Yeah, so uh, he he goes through this whole thing, and like you, you feel like this is like, you don't you, you want to say he's the villain, but you don't know. Like there's there's many, this character is just like a moral gray area, where like it's like a tennis match with this. Almost, yeah. almost, almost it is. It almost is. Yeah, this this part where Martin feels more like the villain in this case, but yeah, yeah like again, the character is, is, is exists such a moral gray area. Just like yeah, I. I, I think it sucks to take this out like what happened to you on your on these guy's kids, but at the same time, I do get it because you know because partly due to his negligence, you do you did lose your dad. Yeah, and you you see where Martin's anger or you know his frustration is coming from. I mean, it's it's negligence on you know Stephen's character. You know his his drinking problem led to him losing his father. So obviously, yeah, there's that resentment there's that anger you know what i mean but yeah yeah so like like i said steve steven saying it wasn't it wasn't his fault martin says it is so he has to go to his friend played by bill played by bill camp like he, he can't get it he's like i can't get you the file from the hospital well unless you did something for me yeah but my thing is why hand job yeah, like, like, I mean, like, that's the you're you're a, you're a bad negotiator. <laughs> that's the best you can. Yeah, get it's like, dude, this. dude, you need to fuck Nicole Kidman, dude. All right, like you're not you're not a good. Yeah, I'm I'm. You know what? I'm just uh, just gonna take a hand job. I'm a good friend. But yeah, but yeah, speaking to like like the weird, speaking to like the weird, like like the weird reaction circumstances. Like I do like the scene where Colin, where uh, Steve was talking about like he wants mashed potatoes, and like Nicole Kidman yeah. and Nicole Kidman's character is just like, dude. Our kids might be fucking dying. You're saying you're talking about potatoes? 
But dude, I like how he goes nuts and starts throwing the pots and pans and shit. He's like looking for like a blood of or like a hair of a virgin or some shit oh, and like yeah. all this other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. what's well, the lies? Like in the, in the yeah. blood, the blood of a bitch in the pews of a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like, he he definitely loses it here. And again, this is where we say the back end of this film is a fantastic acting by Colin Farrell. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah, you feel like he's trying to keep himself composed, but like in his private moments, you really have to see him break down. Like you, you, you do feel it. Like it, well, you have that scene where he's outside crying. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and he decides to act on it. And <laughs> acting on it is going and kidnapping Martin. It's it's almost like taking the Christmas vacation. And bringing the boss and amping it up a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, starts starts to beat the shit out, starts to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, like the one scene, like where like or Martin just like bites, like like not not bites him, bites him, bites him, and then I uh, and then even he when he bites himself, man, I'm like, dude, this guy is crazy. Yeah, this Martin is crazy shit, dude. But that does show his his moral compass in this day because. He could have just bit him, but no, no, I gotta be fair. I gotta bite myself too. Yeah. Yeah, cause like that that's that's the way he does things. We're we're evening it out. We're we're Thanosing it. We're uh, it's all about balance. <laughs> all ba- perfectly balanced. It's all that <laughs> should be. Yeah. Yeah, the the ch- the, ch- the children the children and Martin are solved. They're they're all essentially captives. I do like the yeah. I do like how like Again, the, the acting of all the children, the people like, like, have to like physically commit to things. Like the fact where they can't use their legs and have to like crawl around like a, like a paralyzed dog. I don't know, legit do. Um, yeah. But even this scene here, again, with uh, biblical uh, symbol- symbology or some, you know, symbolic, is uh, when uh, Anna starts uh, kissing uh, Martin's feet. Yeah. N- another, another Bible. Uh, this is what um, was, was done uh, for uh, Christ, you know. So uh, definitely, definitely getting the the biblical feel uh, for this film here, and especially the back end. But all along the film, you definitely are. But you're starting to really see a lot of it now. Yeah, and the weird thing about about all this is the fact that uh, Anne isn't isn't experiencing any symptoms. But the way I see it, like if if this was dragged on long enough, she probably would have. She would have, but she's almost like the Virgin Mary, almost. You know what I mean? She's almost yes. like the pure, the one that hasn't hasn't experienced any of these stages yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or sort of like like a, like a Mary Magdalene type. Where like yeah, uh, like Mary Magdalene with yeah with trying the, like yeah, a tone, tending, a tone for tending to a, a hurt Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that actually that actually is like a very good point. I, I think at one yeah. point he does go to a church. That, that is very valid. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the daughter breaks out uh, after Martin tells her, after Martin tells her like what like, what has to go down, and the daughter actually volunteers. But they're trying to figure out who, who's supposed to die because like they, they they know the plot now. Now, yeah. mother of the year over here, Anna <laughs> says, "Let's get one Dude. of the kids. We, we can make another one." It's like what the fuck? But realistically, and I know as, as twisted as that sounds, though, she's true. It's right. It's, I mean, no, it, it makes it, sense. It, it does make sense. You take take the wife out of it, you don't have a kid. So then that kid's without a, a fa- you know what I mean, a father or, or and or a mother, you know what I mean? But like that makes more sense. You can always have you can have another kid, you know? That's as twi- as twisted as it is. And you're twisted you feel twisted for thinking that way too though. Yeah. Uh the the daughter vo- volunteers uh to put her to put herself on the table. Yeah. Uh but time is running out because the sun starts bleeding from his eyes. 
And even this is where I think even Stephen goes to the uh, school to get uh, reports on Kim, to get reports on Robert. Like, which one's the better student? Who would you pick overall if, if you had to pick between the two of them? You know what I mean? Because he is so confused. He's so um, – he's, he's, he's stricken. He's at a crossroads here. He but doesn't again, know what to do. Again, Barry Lando's character, which, which, again, will bring us all home at the, at the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, so what he does is he he brings everybody to the living room. Bob is the name of the son. I just find it I find it weird. Bob, Robert, him. Bob. Yeah. I find it weird to call a kid Bob. <laughs> just, well, uh, yeah. Like yeah. Um, he t- he brings them all to the room. Duct tapes them all to various chairs and or sofas. <laughs> puts pillowcases over puts each pillowcases one of their heads. Puts, puts each over their heads. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm laughing because this, the optics of this are actually kind of funny. <laughs> He, well, yeah, you have to. See, you absolutely have to watch this. If you have not seen this movie and you're listening to this, don't. I mean, you have to watch this movie before you yeah, so, to, to really bring it home. Yeah. So what he does is he blindfolds himself, takes his rifle, spins around, and just shoots blankly. Almost <laughs> like blindly. Russian roulette, only Basically, with like yeah. no no aim, no aim though. Um, you know, the first couple times I should say. Yeah. So he's like, okay, shit, this isn't working. So he try he tries it again. And the whole, this this is like a super tense scene. It's like, is anybody gonna get it? If so, who's gonna get it? Yeah. And ultimately, someone gets hit, and it's not the person I expected, because he ends up shooting his son. Yeah, I mean, dead, 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 straight to chest too. How crazy is that too? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and and he's a cardiologist. I think that's kind of crazy too. Do you know what I mean? A lot, a lot of, a lot of craziness there. If you want to tie that in with you know symbolism and stuff like that too, I don't know. But uh, definitely strange. But um, yeah, Robert's the one to get Bob. So want to get shot in the uh, chest. Yeah, but it does. It does end up working. Their symptoms go away. The family goes off as normal. We see a reason the daughter should have died because she like she puts her ketchup on the fries like a psycho. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You dip. You, you don't dip. put that on there. Craziness. <laughs> we raised up. Raising a barn. Yeah. They see Martin at the diner and they share one look and then they leave. <sighs> That's, yep. where the, that's where the movie ends. So yeah, talking about all the the, the religious symbolism. Funny enough, uh, this is actually inspired by a Greek myth. Okay. Which, yeah, it's it inspired by uh, Iphigenia and the and the sacred deer. Uh, okay. Which uh, which is actually actually name dropped in this movie. So yeah, the story that that story basically entails it's about Agamemnon, who he accidentally kills one of Artemis's sacred deers. So in turn, he has to sacrifice his daughter to, you know, you know appe- appease the appease the Greek god oh, Artemis. Yeah. Again, balance. Yeah, yeah. In which case, Stephen, Stephen, in this in this case, that is Agamemnon, and then his kids are is the dad of Martin was sacred deer. Martin is Artemis, which you can you can kind of make that visual that the verbal connection. Yeah. But what's, yeah. something that I did find about this, like we talked about how like Colin Farrell, like. A key part of Stephen's character is the fact that you know, like he's always saying for the reason, trying to rationalize why things happen. Something I noticed is the fact that this is like a big part of his character. The fact that he refuses to take responsibility for anything. Yeah, I mean, he's always blaming other. Yeah, he's yeah, never owning anything. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't taken responsibility for uh, causing Martin's dad's death. Doesn't uh, t- doesn't take responsibility for. Uh, trying to choose which kid leaves that up to the principal. Try and choose for him. And Does it, uh, even yeah. like even like sex with his wife is really fucking weird too. Do, doesn't he take responsibility? For, doesn't he take responsibility for shooting a member of his family? Because yeah. he leaves it up to chance. That way, his conscience can be clean. Yeah, 
and it's really and again that whole sex scene with like like uh, like pretty much she is like laying on the bed pretending to be under like general anesthesia which i <laughs> find really crazy and really weird did you did you notice that too i did too i'm like wow this is, this yeah. is strange it's like this is weird role playing what are you what, what are you doing you have the patience buddy yeah um but yeah, so uh, Russell, you since you 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 had seen this, uh, what did you yeah. what did you think upon a revisit of Killing the Sacred Deer? No, uh, and I just want to go back to the uh, playing God type thing because um, if you think about it, it does kind of make sense too. Like the, uh, what I was trying to say was like Stephen's character is a god in in a sense, whereas he has the power of life in his hands, literally, um, as he's you know doing surgery or performing surgery on you know on hearts and stuff like that all the time, right? So he's taking that life into his hand, and it's pretty much again it's it's flipped it's vice versa when Martin has a chance to take life in his hand now. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel like it's almost like a battle. Uh, like in, in a situation, there's like to me, it's like almost playing God. It's that moment of playing God, um, like Colin Farrell's character, and then near the end of the film, obviously Martin's character playing God with you know Anna kissing his feet and stuff like that, almost treating him like he's like a god figure, a godlike figure. Uh, Kim basically pleading to uh martin's character about oh can you please fix me or like you know help me like uh make me walk again you know what i mean like almost healing like like god uh again that's just it was just a little something that i just i i don't know again you know it's it's open for interpretation but i definitely got the you know god sense for both characters that you can kind of draw lines on, on a little bit um, but overall, no, I, I appreciate the film. I, uh, I think that, you know, the first time I watched this, I just was like, what the fuck did I just watch? You know what I mean? Um, but that was my first taste of Yorgos, uh, style. I had never, you know, seen his, his films before. Um, obviously then I saw Dogtooth and then I saw the favorite and then I started to realize I get his, you know, I started to understand his style. Like, you know, just like your David Lynch, like your, uh, Stanley Kubrick there, there, there's, there's you know, specific aesthetics to their directing style. And you, you get some of the stuff, the, 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 the way they film, what they put in their films. Again, going back to that, uh, instrumental, uh, score, which is really chilling and really drives the film too and sets intensity up in certain scenes. Uh, I really appreciate, but, um, no, this film is, uh, again, and this will, rem and I know this is not too far out of the realm, but it's almost I compare it to Kubrick because every time you watch a Kubrick film, you get something more out of it that you didn't get the first, you know, the first viewing, the second viewing. You're always finding something, you're pulling something else from it, and that's, you know, that is uh, the signs of a good filmmaker when you can do that. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely a lot of uh, symbolism to religion and stuff like that, to, to God and, and all that. And I just, I, I dug it, you know, I, I just, the more you think about it, the more you really ask yourself these questions over and over again when you're watching it. No, and actually the curious thing was actually the thing I was going to bring up because when watching yeah. this, this is the first time, something I noticed like through a lot of his movies is the fact that what he does, he takes, he takes characters and it really puts them through these like really good grueling situations. Yeah. And like, Treats the audience like like you know like it's like omnipotent spectator, which something that Kubrick yeah. did. Something that Kubrick did a lot. Like we talked about in The Shining. Yeah, uh, yeah. It happened also. It happened in uh, Clockwork Orange. It's something he, that was occurring in a lot of his movies. And yeah, yeah I think Yorgos Lanthimos reminds me of, like of what something like Kubrick would be doing if he would make yeah. movies in the modern age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you look at like, what the acting and like the cinematography and the camera work and just like where he cracks score. like really yeah. the score especially. Mm -hmm. Cracks like really like. You know, almost almost alien esque cold environments, but also has like a lot of heart, like uh, has like a lot of like underlying emotional beats underneath. 
Um, I think that this is epitomized here. I don't like this quite as much as I do The Favorites or uh, Lobster, but I really do love both those movies. Uh, but yeah. so Killing a Second Deer, I, th- I thought was, well, I thought was, I actually thought was really, really, really good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think the performances are great. I think I thought the you know reli- religious subtext in this and you know, the uh, mythological subtext in this, I thought I yeah. found that fascinating. And yeah, Yorgos is a, he's become a director who I'm always looking to see what this guy's doing next. Turns out it actually has a movie this year, which I didn't know about. How crazy is that? What the, when's that coming out? Uh, let me see. That's a very good question. Because uh, I, I saw this. I'm like, oh, shit, you're doing something. Yeah, poor things. Uh, you got a lot of this cast, man. You got you got Emma Stone. You got Willem Dafoe. You got Jeez. Mark Ruffalo. You got Gerard Carmichael. Margaret Qualley. Uh, yeah, this is set for... Uh, n- not doesn't have an official release yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, speculated to be coming out sooner rather than later. Uh, huh. I am definitely excited to check that out. And this is, this is a guy who, like like I said, he's one of those directors who, any like, kind of like a, like a James, uh, not James, I'm sorry, Steve McQueen or Ryan Coogler. Anytime he's doing something, I'm instantly going to be hooked because I think he's just such a such a fantastic filmmaker. And yeah. movies like this demonstrate why I think he's has like a really fascinating unique voice and i am very excited to see more of it almost like a lynchian vibe too you could lynch even say too. lynch too I, I do feel more of a i feel like he doesn't lean as far into abstract as lynch not as far but i feel that and another thing real quick before we wrap up though i do feel like that's why i think it works so well with kubrick is because we feel so alienated we feel so out of the loop we watch it again and again and again to feel like to 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 absorb what we're watching, you know what I mean? Yeah. To find to find the clues, to find little things that we didn't notice the first time, the second time, the third time, um, and and like we said, I think that's that's the markings of a, of a great director. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's gonna do it for uh, the show today. Uh, Russell, on your our plugs before we head out. Yeah, you guys can find us Notorious by Chance on Facebook. That's where we put the polls up for you guys to vote on. Um, so February will be coming around. We'll have some good polls up there. You guys can also find us YouTube Notorious by Chance. Uh, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chance underscore ninety one. Check out the movie trivia showdown. Uh, we are about to launch season nine, and I do have some very fun matches coming up in the cans. It's going to be great, and uh, yeah, it's going to do it for us here. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.